of Hope is dedicated to making a difference in the lives of people with cancer, diabetes, and other serious illnesses with a mission of transforming the future of healthcare by turning science into a practical benefit. Hope into reality. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. More than 230,000 men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer this year, and about one in seven will be diagnosed with this disease at some time in their life. But thanks to improvements with surgery and radiation, chemotherapy, and other treatments, many prostate cancer patients can overcome prostate cancer to lead long, productive lives. My guest today is Dr. Jennifer Linehan. She's a clinical assistant professor in the Division of Urology and Urologic Oncology at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Linehan. So tell us a little bit about prostate cancer screening. Is there anything new and different going on? PSA, is it still the gold standard? Melanie, thank you for having me today. So what I like to really remind my patients about PSA screening is that the PSA test, which is prostate-specific antigen, is really a risk assessment. The PSA blood levels are not always a direct correlation of prostate cancer. Both inflammatory diseases of the prostate, enlarged prostate, and prostate cancer can cause elevations in the PSA. So you have to put together what I call the PSA kinetic, or watching the trend of the PSA to interpret whether those patients have cancer. Now, in recent years, they added something called the free PSA. And the free PSA was, again, another biomarker that helped us risk stratify the patients who were at risk for prostate cancer and those that needed biopsy but it wasn't always a direct correlation. So PSA and free PSA are still the gold standards as far as screening. About a year ago, they added another test called the Prostate Health Index. And in the Prostate Health Index, you actually had three biomarkers. There was PSA, free PSA, and P2 PSA. And using these in combination and using those values to, again, assess what patients were at risk for prostate cancer and which were those that needed biopsy. So I think the gold standard is still PSA, and we're adding biomarkers to that that are still somewhat investigational and learning to really focus on our diagnostic techniques for PSA screening. So where do you think genetics and genetic testing, PCA3 and such, are going to come into this screening? Do you think that they will be a part of screening? I think PCA3 does have a role in screening, uh, but I don't think it's first-line screening techniques. I think the PCA3 is for patients who have had histories of elevated PSA or even previous biopsy where the PSA is still elevated and you're trying to make a decision on whether to re-biopsy these patients or figure out what the next step is. But I don't think at this point the genetic test of PCA3 have a frontline role in general screening of the population. I think those are patients that are more complex, that are already being evaluated by a urologist because they've had a history of PSA or, again, like I said, even previous biopsy. So what do you see in treatment in the next 
10 years. We've got hormone treatments. We've got radiation, external beams, seed implantation. There's chemotherapy, and there's surgery, which seems to be going down a little bit, Dr. Linehan. It seems to me that less men are having you know, their prostates removed and more are having this combination of radiation and hormone treatments or various combinations thereof. What do you see happening in the next 10 years? Prostate cancer is a very unique cancer because it is, first of all, early detection is curable. And second, there's a large population that have indolent cancers that don't need to be treated immediately. So I think Really, the last several years, we've focused on as necessarily not treating the cancer, but not treating the cancer in cases where the patients can be watched. I think City of Hope has really done a good job of, of pursuing active surveillance protocols where you're monitoring the patient's PSA, you're monitoring their pathology, and focusing on prolonging treatment in very specific cases. So in this instance, it's not treating that's been the focus instead of treating. I think the other thing that we've uh, started to look at as as a urologic community is what we call focal therapy for prostate cancers. So as our diagnostic techniques have gotten better, we've been able to localize the cancers and have focused on treating just that local area. Again, these are still investigational, but they are newer techniques that are starting to rise. And I think because there's more options for patients, you're seeing the the surgical the surgery, the number of surgeries decrease. But I think if you look at the overall outcomes, especially in patients with aggressive prostate cancers, surgery is really still a first line therapy. And speaking of surgery with, you know, the advent of robotic surgery everywhere. Where do you see that for prostate cancer? Is that coming into play as a big part and partial for you to be able to use all of these different advances to make this a much less invasive surgery with more, you know, with less side effects? Yes, I think robotics has really helped our understanding of the anatomy of the nerves, which are important for, you know, both impotence and for incontinence with patients with prostate cancer. And I think robotic surgery has helped us reassess that anatomy so that we can better understand it and better preserve those nerves. I also think that in the next, you know, five to ten years that robotics will improve in several ways. One, the surgeries will actually become more minimally invasive. Uh, we are, they are now looking at doing one-port surgeries where you have one incision and the arms actually in, extend from inside the body of the patient, so the patients will only have one incision. The other thing is better visualization, better visualization of the anatomy, magnification, uh, understanding of the tissues. And the third thing is, is that soon we'll be able to incorporate some of our radiologic images into our robotic surgery at the time of surgery, which will help us identify, you know, cancer that's extending outside the prostate or going into the nerves or even going into the lymph nodes. So I think those things are also going to change robotic surgery, which is going to give patients a lot more options with surgery and help them recover faster and help them, you know, you know, 
recover from both impotence and incontinence as well. Well, speaking right, you segued beautifully into this. So as that progress and these surgeries become more minimally invasive, the risk of impotence and incontinence following prostate cancer treatment, that seems to be what men worry about the most. So do you see that that's going to be something that we're not going to, you know, have to deal with quite as severely? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of new research, especially within the last year, regarding impotence and incontinence, which is very harrowing uh, for the patients uh, postoperatively. And because surgery offers such a good chance for lifelong cure for these patients, I think that we focus more on preserving the nerves. One of the newest things they've been doing is actually wrapping the nerves in an amniotic wrap to help protect the nerves, nurse the nerves, and to improve the circulation to the nerves, which will eventually help them regenerate. So there are newer medications coming out that we are going to be applying both intraoperatively and that the patients are going to be able to take postoperatively to help boost nerve function, which will improve uh, continence as well as erectile function. In just the last minute, and it's such fascinating information and such exciting hope for men suffering with prostate cancer, give us your best advice about the future of this, your best hope, and why they should come to City of Hope for their care. I think City of Hope has always focused on treating the patient as a whole, and my advice to my patients always is, is no matter what the PSA number is, find a urologist or a doctor who is going to evaluate all the factors in your life, your age, your life expectancy, your family history of prostate cancer, the symptoms that you're having, your previous PSAs, and put all of these things together very specifically for just that patient to have a risk assessment for them and to focus on the patient as a unique and whole patient instead of just treating a number. And I think City of Hope has really focused on doing that, as well as providing patients both surgery, radiation, active surveillance roles, and many options for treatment. Thank you so much. What great information. You're listening to City of Hope Radio. And for more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.